Quote, I will not move my army without onions, end quote. That was Ulysses S. Grant who revealed in one statement the value of onions. We have mostly culinary needs of onions today and not the apothecary uses Grant likely intended. Today, onions serve a more singular purpose of providing flavor. From the slowly caramelized pizzolier to amazing onion rolls or French onion soup or chip dip, onions contribute to our dinner and snacks with immense flavor contributions. The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, Episode 97. Welcome to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast, where the philosophy is free, but the food is on you. Libertarian. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Skedaddle on over to my podcasts page, culinarylibertarian.com slash podcasts to find all the previous shows, show notes, pages. Each episode has an embedded MP3 player and three podcatcher links, as well as relevant links from each show. Also, on the podcast's page, you can click the social media icons to follow the Culinary Libertarian on Twitter or Instagram or Pinterest, and also join me in the Eating Liberty Facebook group. Click the support link on the podcast's page to find links to all the podcatchers carrying the Culinary Libertarian podcast, as well as some of my affiliates. The Tom Woods Liberty Classroom and McClanahan Academy are both excellent on-the-go content for history, and Kiko's Cakes brings Kiko into your kitchen via video instruction so you can make and bake tarts and torts at home from scratch just like a pastry shop. And a coffee mug from Cranky Without Coffee, my Etsy e-commerce store, can round out your coffee mug needs. You can help support the show and keep the lights on, so to speak, with donations through Patreon or PayPal. Also, leaving a rating and review of the show on your favorite podcatcher helps those platforms find more listeners, and that grows the audience. Nearly everyone knows the smell of a freshly cut onion. Watch someone cutting more than one onion and Oh, the tears. Well, we'll get to the why tears happen part, but the onion is universally used in cooking because, despite the raw harshness, it adds flavor. So, a little bit of background. The onion is in a large family of plants called allium. This includes ramps, leeks, chives, and, interestingly, asparagus, but that's another episode. The onion has been cultivated for about 5,000 years and probably originated in Central Asia or Iran or West Pakistan. In nearly every country where onions were used, they were used for their medical properties as well as culinary contributions. Greek Olympic athletes ate them raw for energy. Onions were thought to cure baldness, lumbago, dysentery, dog bites, and more, and recently, 
MRSA and H. pylori, the bacteria associated with ulcers, have been shown to be impacted positively by onion. For Grant, the onion had antibacterial properties he would have favored. According to Healthline.com, onions can fight dangerous bacteria such as E. coli and Staphylococcus aureus and the bacteria which causes cholera. The site does not indicate that Grant experienced those illnesses in his troops. As with most folk remedies, what was known to be is almost all lost. That, too, is another episode. This episode is to focus on what all of us can find in the store. What we miss in the store is the vast variety which never gets planted for commercial use. Check the Brupee seed page for onions and you find pages and pages of varieties. If you can, and this is the time, find a local farmer or farmer's market and buy what they grow. There's a good chance that that farmer knows what the variety is and might be able to offer some cooking or flavor or compatibility tips. Try to get that same information from Skippy the Produce Clerk. Recipe writers seem keen on making you pick the color of onion. White or yellow, also called Spanish, or red. Then there's the Maui and the Vidalia and the Walla Walla or the Texas Spring Sweet or the Bermuda. All those are not interchangeable terms for a sweet onion. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. Then we have pearl onions both white and red, shallots, cipollini, scallions, leeks, chives, and that's not even the full list. That's just a list of the popular things cookbook writers tell you to go buy. It is true that each of those onions I named has a specific flavor and use. The first difference is some make you cry like a mama slapped you, and some don't. Sulfur is the culprit. The Spanish onion, the yellow one, is probably the most tear-inducing for the high quantities of the sulfur compound which irritates the lacrimal, I'm sorry if I butchered that, the lacrimal gland in the eyes, and that causes tears. Now, if there, there's wives' tales galore about how to prevent tears from happening, but fundamentally the problem is when you cut the onion, you are taking two disparate chemicals which exist in the onion cell and making them meet. And when they meet and they have oxygen, they cause this thing, this sulfur compound, which irritates your eyes and you cry. You can, you can try refrigerating them, put bread in your mouth, wash them into water. I mean, there's, there's dozens of tricks. And short of putting on, say, those tight-fitting goggles like you would use in a medical lab, which I think have aeration holes, so maybe the fumes get in anyway. I've never found anything that worked except have the other guy cut them, then my eyes didn't water. Sweet onions have less of the sulfur compound and more sugars. Oh, and those tear-inducing onions also have sugar, but the sugar is hidden. I'll get to that part in a moment, too. There's a lot to get to. Depending on where in the U.S. you are determines which sweet onion you find. Geographical devotion aside, they are mostly the same. Now, 
we had today, I made um, gluten-free onion rings. Tried to make, well, I succeeded, but, you know, it's a work in progress. And here in Oregon, the sweet onion I bought from the farmer's market was probably a Walla Walla variety. Having lived in Tallahassee for a while and had easy access to Vidalia onions, they have a similar sweet, but Vidalia has a zip that the Walla Walla doesn't have. That's just so sweet onions are similar, but they will have their own distinctiveness as well. Sweet onions are better raw on hamburgers or salads or sandwiches. Shallots and pearl onions are also less tear inducing. And as are leeks and scallions and chives. Scallions and chives are dandy when they're raw. Leeks, not so dandy. While the leek is sweet, the beauty of its flavor requires cooking to find. The long-famed soup vichyssoise is potato, leeks, and cream, and done right is a spectacular soup. Parmentier is basically the hot version of that soup. I'm going to have some more recipe ideas and suggestions later. I want to talk about each onion kind and what is a generally accepted use. But before I do that, let me take a moment out to tell you about my affiliate, McClanahan Academy. Folks, I mentioned at the opening of the show, McClanahan Academy. Now I want to tell you why I think you should subscribe. Recently, I was in a Facebook chat with a fellow I'll name Mr. Rongy Rong, you probably know him too. Mr. Rongy Rong wrote and wrote and wrote about how the Constitution and the Supremacy Clause and the Necessary and Proper Clause and the 14th Amendment, yes, the one ratified in 1868, were fundamental to the Constitution of 1789. As support, for his certainty that he was correct in his interpretations, Mr. Rongarong cited his two, count them, two semesters at college. The failings of university education are many, including from Mr. Rongarong. That he was told wrong isn't his fault. We were all told wrong. Me too. That he doubles down on staying wrong is his fault. He could correct that, but chooses not to. You can do better than he with a subscription to McClanahan Academy. Brian McClanahan is a 20-year teacher of history and has several books to his credit, courses at Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom, two podcasts on history, and the Academy. Click culinarylibertarian.com academy to see the full selection of courses, including the course on the Constitution. McClanahan Academy courses are American history courses to supplement homeschooling or are courses for the lifelong learner interested in getting it right. History isn't always flattering to the people we like. If you prefer softball history with happy endings, this is not the course for you. McClanahan Academy is serious history for people serious about history. Enter culinarylibertarian.com slash academy into your browser or click the banner on the show notes page. Culinarylibertarian.com slash academy to get your no PC, no Marxism history started today. Now let's get back to the show. 
Of course, we know those three main kinds of onions, the round, papery-skinned orbs of odor in the produce section. There is not, at least not yet, a food police. The only rule for onion use is which you prefer. However, for some ideas about what each is better suited for when given a choice, let's cover some basics about the big three. White onion, probably the mildest of the three. It is an odd thing to say of an onion that it is mild, but the white one is. Sliced thin, and this is a moving scale since I like mine thin enough to read through, white onions are good on sandwiches. Raw crunch and the burst of flavor complements a well-made cold cut and cheese and mustard sandwich. White onions are probably better suited to Mexican salsas since they are milder, though they play well with other flavors. The red onion. Red ones are my favorite and my go-to onion at home. They are a bit sweeter and have a milder flavor that is not as tear-inducing and hold up well on the grill. They also griddle nicely and caramelize well. One difference I enjoy is grilled or griddled, they retain a bit of the texture where white and yellow onions turn a bit mushy. That's a benefit, even though it may not sound like one. Red onions can be pickled, although I admit that isn't something that I do. However, a nice, lightly pickled, thin-sliced onion on pulled pork sandwich with good coleslaw sounds like more than enough reason to make some. Red onions are high in flavonoids, which ties back into episode 88 with Dr. Rima. I'll put a link to that episode on the show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 97. If you happen to be in Australia listening to this, the red onion is known to you as the Spanish onion. It's confusing already. There's your esoteric information for the day. Yellow onion, in the States, also called the Spanish onion, are most commonly used in restaurants and can be the most tear-inducing, so says I, from years of onion cleaning. Yellow onions caramelize very nicely and are the onion for a proper French onion soup. Well-caramelized onions are the key to pizzolier, which is a kind of pizza, although they, the French, would never use that word. It uh, comes with black olives and anchovies, and it is absolutely amazing. Well worth making. All three of these kinds of onions may be tempered of their assertiveness by soaking the slices in ice water for 10 to 15 minutes to remove some of that bite. They retain their crunch, so that's an excellent way to make a good addition to sandwiches or burgers or french fries, but mitigate some of that really harshness. Sweet onions. They tend to look white and don't store well for long periods of time. They have a bit higher water content, and that's one of the reasons they don't last longer. The rings are a bit thicker than those of the big three, and the onion might be a bit smaller in size, but that's not always the case. Sweet onions have a variety of names, which I covered in the opening. Um, geographically, we find in Washington and Oregon, and possibly states east a little bit, the Walla Walla. Uh, in tech, in uh, Georgia, Vidalia is the county, and there, by Georgia law, there are um, 20 maybe counties allowed to 
raise the Vidalia onion by brand name. Uh, and there's something, I, you know, soil matters. I think there's something about the Texas soil, no, wrong place, Georgia soil, that makes those Vidalias have both the sweet and the zip that the Walla Walla doesn't have. There's also the Texas sweet and the Bermuda. All of them have the sweetness, but they also have other different characteristics. I've never had Texas sweet, so I can't speak to that. These onions are good on burgers, and they don't require an ice bath before putting them on. They make good minced uh, onions for your hot dogs as well. There are a few more kinds of onions you'll probably see in the store that are worth mentioning. Shallots. Shallots look like red onions, but are smaller and may, he, may have an elongated shape. There, I've actually seen a variety of shapes and sizes, sometimes they're as small as the last joint of your thumb, and sometimes they're as big as your forefinger. The bigger ones tended to be a bit more assertive and have a larger onion ring part, which I guess makes sense because it's bigger. The bigger ones are easier to work with, but I prefer the smaller ones because I like that. I like what the small rings offer. They do have the bite of the onion, but also they mix the onion flavor with a garlic flavor. And that's really the selling point for the shallot and the French, uh, in French recipes, they love shallots. One of the best ways to use shallots is to, to cut them into like a mince or a bounoise and add them raw to vinaigrette. Uh, the smaller ones work better because you end up with smaller pieces of onion or shallot, and that's less offensive in the bite of the salad. Um, big hunks, <laughs> cutting cutting a shallot or or red onions or anything into just big hunks of stuff that's that is not appealing. Doing it biting into that, ah, it's terrible. It's just so get smaller shallots is better. Shallots can be roasted whole, cooled, and then pinched out of their paper skin shells. Roasted shallots are a nice garnish for rich red meat dishes or braises and steaks. You can even sort of caramelize them in butter a little bit, kind of carefully. Uh, add a little bit of beef stock and just add those caramelized beefy shallots as a component to a steak dish. Very nice accompaniment. Uh, and just adds a nice richness to that, the, uh, the, 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 the flavor of the uh, beef there. Shallots don't have the storage time regular onions do. If you buy them, buy what you intend to use in a day or two. Leeks look like giant scallions. They tend to run pricey, and the usable white portion is generally about one quarter of the whole leek. The flavor is very sweet, although I am not a fan of them raw. To really appreciate the wonderful contribution they have, they do need to be cooked. They caramelize moderately well, but they do wilt fantastically. I'll include a recipe for what I call wilted leeks, which we use as a veg component on a dinner plate uh, on the show notes page. Added to mashed potatoes, they make a great addition there as well. Uh, and you can julienne them thin and soak them in ice water and then dab them dry and then fry them as a garnish. Though frankly, that's a whole lot of work for a garnish. Uh, as for the green parts, I put that in stock, particularly beef stock or roasted chicken stock. Pearl onions come in both red and white. They are very pretty in dishes, but do take a bit of cleaning. 
To clean them, trim the root end off just below the base and blanch those onions in salted boiling water. After about a minute, lift the onions out with the spider, shock them in ice water, then pinch the stem end to kind of shoot them out into your hand or a bowl, and now you've got mostly raw peeled pearl onions. Pearl onions are in the freezer section at your grocery store. I like them in some dishes and will happily buy frozen pearl onions for the few times I use them. Frozen pearl onions do give a potent onion flavor to the whole dish, so use them sparingly. There are a few more kinds, scallions which probably everyone knows about. Chipolini onions are probably hard to find, come around only in the fall. If you do find them, they'll probably be in bags like pearl onions are and they are worth getting. Roast them like shallots, remove the skins, and the inside is some incredible yum. I'll get into some ideas about cooking with onions, including when to use dried onions. <gasps> I know, but first, here's a message about another Liberty Podcast, Tasting Anarchy. Hey everyone, Jake here, host of the Tasting Anarchy podcast. Join my co-host Mason and I each week as we explore the world of wine and alcohol through a Liberty lens. You can find us on all your major podcatchers, tastinganarchy.com or Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Tasting Anarchy, your wine and Liberty podcast. Find out how much government is in your drink. Sometimes cooks get talking and we say things that other people don't know. If you are asked for a hotel pan, a puzzled look is perfectly fine. Caramelized onions is one such other phrase. To caramelize an onion means to cook them slowly so the water evaporates and the remaining sugar starts to brown. In general, the browner you get the onion, the sweeter the final dish is going to be. But Caramel is an interesting thing. Sugar, made into caramel, develops about a hundred different flavors. At least one of them is bitter. Seems odd, yet start dancing too close to burn and flavors get bitter. So it is also with onions. The best French onion soup was made by the cook who knows right where that line is and adds the sherry just before that point. Oh, I've talked on the show in other episodes how liquid, booze, stock, water, tomatoes, stops the high heat and that stops the caramelization. The next step is that the caramel goes into the dish, the key to that wonderful French onion soup flavor. So, caramelized onions. Add them to a pasta dish. Actually, add them to a pasta dish and cut, um, take a cauliflower head, core it out a little bit, and cut half-inch planks. Now, you can only get a couple out of the middle of it. Caramelize the... This takes a little while. Over low heat, caramelize the cauliflower uh, with whole butter and coconut fat and let it get... I mean, really, don't burn. Let it get... Let it get brown. You can say, what? This is crazy. Let it get brown. Turn it over, do it again. Add your caramelized onions to that. Now the cauliflower is so done, it's going to fall apart with a spoon. Add your stock to that. Use that as a tomato. Add a little bit of uh, dandelion greens or some kind of a bitter green to that. And some penne. 
Oh, I'm telling you, this is this is amazing. This is it's so good. Caramelized onions will take time. This is not just browning the outside of the onion. We're breaking down the cell structure of the whole thing, releasing the water and concentrating the sugars. And that takes time, an hour, maybe, maybe longer. Depends on how much, depends on how big your pan is, how many onions you have, and how low or high, how high your heat is. I generally use bacon fat for flavor and butter for flavor and color. Because, you know, it's butter. Low heat. And a thick bottom pan or one of those uh, enamel Le Creuset style pans. Wooden spoon and an hour to spend and you are ready to go. Melt the fats. Once they're melted and the pan's warm, add the onions and stir every five minutes or so until it starts to... Um, until you see the onion turning translucent and they're starting to get flaccid and maybe develop some color. Start on medium-high heat, but as they start to develop color, lower the heat. Low and slow, and cover is okay, is better process for this job. The covering part, oddly enough, is going to make it take a little longer, but that's buying you some time and affording not burning too quickly. So what's happening, of course, is the moisture is staying in the pan and going maybe dripping back down. That's not a bad thing here because nothing's really bad going on. We haven't added additional water. We're just adding water that's already there. And it's going to continue to just roll like that. But you're going to slowly caramelize your onions. It may take longer. But if this is something you're new at, lone, slow, and long is far superior to quick, fast, and burnt. If you're a Cajun, you can't even start to cook about onions and peppers and celery. The Trinity of Nolan's Cuisine. For you classical French fans, a sauce soubise is worth a go. Despite what the interweb posts say, sauce soubise is not supposed to have caramelized onions. In fact, Escoffier states twice that the onions are to have no color and should be, quote, very white in color, end quote. Anyone who says otherwise is wrong. Food tradition from the classical French side and I have little wiggle room. I am down with innovation and a caramelized sauce and the style of soubise sounds grand, but it can't be called soubise. Change the name and I'm fine. I have a rather unforgiving conservativeness for the classics. Okay, let's cook, so to speak. A fritter is a fried wad of dough. Add stuff, and it's a stuff fritter. Cheese, or corn, or zucchini, or onions. The skill of the cook makes the corn and zucchini and onion fritter mixing a bit different, even though all get the same ingredients. For most things, quick breads, fritters, biscuits, muffins, I like buttermilk, both for flavor and acid, and baking soda, since acid and soda work so well together to make a gas. Remember that test tube experiment, or, you know, baking soda and vinegar, and boop! Ha 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 ha! Baking powder can be used, but my base recipe doesn't do that. I'll have a link on the show notes page for another page, which has a few onion recipes. It's just something you can print out, but it's just easier. 
I'm going to go over this kind of quickly. I don't expect you to remember anything, and I'm certainly not going at a pace you can write it down, but it's all going to be there. This is just as a thing you can remember. Oh, I remember what he said. Fritter batter is one cup of all-purpose flour. And I, I have tried gluten-free, but I haven't succeeded to my standard yet, so that has to wait. One cup of AP, one egg, three-quarters of a cup of buttermilk. That's the batter. Add cheese and spices and onions and salt and pepper, and it's done. Yeah, right. Sure, Mr. Swanity Pants. I know. So, when mixing stiff batters, and fritters are a stiff batter, so our crepes at first, the key there with the stiff batter is put the flour and the dry ingredients in the bowl. Flour, salt, leavener, uh, dry milk powder if you're using it. Then add the egg or eggs and whisk the egg into the flour until you can't anymore. It's going to form this big wad of eggy flour on your whisk and you say, well, great, I've just messed this up. No, 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 no. That's, that's what you want. You are exactly where you need to be. Now, you have a liquid. In our case here, we're adding buttermilk. So add a small portion of buttermilk and whisk that in. It's not going to look like it makes a big change. Once the buttermilk is incorporated somewhere, add a little bit more buttermilk. And as you add a few more additions, going slow because you don't want to wear it, and because you have this big club of goo, it will easily splash the buttermilk out of the bowl onto you or anywhere else. As you keep adding the buttermilk and keep whisking, and, and, and whisking whisking with small quantities is important because the, what we're having, what's going on here is this big wad of eggy, buttermilky dough is incorporating the rest of the flour. And because it is so stiff, it is going to work out any of the lumps from the baking soda, the baking powder, if you're using soda, uh, the flour, all those lumps are going to come out because we don't want lumps in our fritter batter. That's yuck. Now that you've added enough buttermilk that is turning into a batter, this this we this is the success we want to have. If you do it another way, um, I've seen people use blenders. Oh my goodness! What? A, come on! It's, it's too loud. Don't do that. When the last bit of buttermilk is incorporated, now add your garnish. Corn, onions. Onions could be raw. Sweet onions might be better. Onions could be caramelized. Onions are a funny thing, and raw vegetables of any kind are a funny thing because they have a lot of water. Zucchini are a, a, like sponges of water. You just don't see it until you cook it. And if you're putting a raw vegetable into a fritter and then frying it, it is a reasonable expectation that that fritter is going to fall apart. So, in, in, in my case, this onion one, these onions are in raw, but they're also really small pieces. Uh, if I'm making a zucchini fritter, I would grate the zucchinis, salt them to pull excess water out. Not a lot of salt. Kosher salt is good, or, or, or coarse sea salt. Um, press them into a colander to release the water. Water is just salty zucchini water. Throw it away. Then put the zucchini into your fritter batter, and now we're going to have a higher chance of success. And this is what we want. We want success. Salt, pepper. Uh, if you're using nutmeg, uh, nutmeg is good with cheese fritters. Very good with cheese fritters. Whatever you're putting in there, fold it all together. Let this fritter batter stand in the refrigerator 
for about 10 minutes. What we want to have is a hydration needs to happen where the flour that's in the bowl is absorbing all the water that's also in the bowl. And if it's raw zucchini, the water isn't yet available. It has to be cooked. But you've got water in the egg and you've got water of the buttermilk. And it's going to thicken as it sits there. That's expected. We know this is predictable. So if it's a little bit too thick, add a wee bit more, like a tablespoon of buttermilk, maybe another tablespoon, because I don't know how thick it is, and get the consistency you want. Now we're done. This same procedure, flour, salt, egg, whisk, liquid, is going to be the procedure we use to make crepes. We're just going to add a whole lot more liquid to it. It's also going to be the procedure we use to make spatzel, which is a very thick, stiff dough and worth learning how to do. And we may cover that uh, in the fall because that would be a good time for spatzel and venison. Oh, my. Onion rings are quite a treat, and I told you I made them, and I got to work on that. I prefer a batter to breading because I like the extra crunchy stuff. A, a breading for onion rings or chicken fingers or fish fingers is made the same way the fritter batter is made. Dry ingredients, egg, liquid, stuff, and we have no lumps. A batter for onion rings can have club soda and baking powder. As So the club soda, of course, is going to have bubbles. Use cold club soda so the bubbles stay in the soda. Uh, use that in your batter. Uh, makes a real nice fish batter with the club soda. Uh, beer does too. One thing to keep in mind as a reminder about batters, I just said, is that they will thicken as they sit. So once you make it, into the cooler for 10 to 15 minutes. And when I get it right, uh, it already remains true about gluten-free. I'd probably be more so, but I haven't perfected that yet. So for onion rings, you can use any rings you prefer. I used, I bought the sweet onion for the express purpose of making onion rings. Red onion rings are delicious. Use white, use yellow, whatever you want. doesn't matter. Separate the rings. A lot of recipes may read put them in seasoned flour. The problem with that is onion rings are generally dry, so they're not going to hold seasoned flour. So I put them right into the batter. Because the, the onion ring doesn't, it, it's just, it holds the batter just fine. Now, working with a deep fryer can get hot. Now, onion rings need you to hold them into the fat and drop them, let go of them. Don't drop them. Let go of them into the fat just before your fingers fry. Don't fry your fingers, but also don't. Don't throw things. This isn't horseshoes. Don't throw things into the fryer when the fryer is hot. Well, that's bad news. Food and hot fat is not a good time to test fluid dynamics. Same thing with the fritters. Same thing with the onion rings. If you're doing fritters, put your disher as close to the fryer as possible. Basket in and squeeze your handle so the fritter drops into the fryer basket. Uh, sometimes it is the case, and don't do this, don't put fritters in a basket that's been lifted up, because what's going to happen is the fritter's going to fall into the basket, and gravity in that mere few seconds is going to pull the batter all the way around to the other side of the basket wires, and when you fry it, it will not release. Now you have a problem, and this is, 
This is a very frustrating problem to fix. It's hot. You can't eat the food because it's destroyed, and it's just don't do that. Uh, one of the one of the tips for using a dish or in a fryer is once you've scooped out what's in it, dip in the fryer. You can even do this the first time. Dip the disher into the fryer. The disher is the scooper, uh, and then put it into the batter and the scoop. The little bit of oil that goes into the scooper, the disher does help at some point to release the fritter into the fat. Just remember, we're trying to avoid splashes and burns because splashing hot oil is no fun. I mentioned wilted leeks and leeks in mashed potatoes. Those both get the same basic cooking procedure, which is basically poaching in olive oil. The wilted leek recipe will be on the recipe page on the show notes page. The idea for these is to let the heat of the oil break down the fibers of the leeks, which is easy to do, and allow the water to come out in the form of steam. That concentrates the sweetness, and the now softened fibers of the leek are tender. So the, 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 the crunch is gone. We don't, I don't want the crunch of the leek. I want the flavor of the leek. Leeks and garlic are very good friends. And so for both dishes, I add garlic to the oil. Leeks do present a few new challenges that onions do not. First, that green stuff. Hold your knife in your dominant hand and your leek in the other hand and hold the root end toward you. Place the knife about an inch below where the leaves start to veer off the stalk and cut away from you, aiming toward the center of the leek. Turn the leek a quarter of a turn and repeat the cutting motion. Basically, it is as if you are sharpening a large pencil which looks like a leek. You want to have the top of the leek come to the point. Save the greens for compost or stock, but rinse them well if you want to use them for stock for it is bound to be sand inside. That's the second thing about leeks. They can be quite sandy in between the layers. Once you've your pencil sharpened leek, remove the stem end and add that to the compost bin stuff. Cut the leek in half lengthwise and rinse it under slowly running water, washing between all the layers. Sometimes there seems to be a beach in there, and sometimes nearly nothing, but it's a good habit to have. Nobody wants to crunch into mashed potatoes. When I melt the leeks for mashers, I cut them in cross sections to make like half moons. They'll look like that on the cutting board, but they will not look like that when they're cooked. For the wilted leeks, I cut them into ribbons the long way. At your house, you do how you prefer. If you don't know what you prefer, do what I do and see how you like it. You don't like it? Change it. I know this is getting a bit long, but there is one last item I want to cover. Chutney. Chutney is pretty basic and easy and can be made hard and complex. I've done them both and couldn't really determine the time spent yielded a substantially better product. Go with easy. Chutneys have to have a few things. A heat element, like red pepper flakes or jalapenos, a sugar or sweet element, a sour element, vinegar usually, a dried fruit, raisins or currants, and the thing giving the name of the chutney. So, onion chutney with raisins, brown sugar, red pepper flakes, red wine and vinegar is a good chutney. The process for making a chutney can be used for a variety of other sauces. 
one I am fond of is a barbecue sauce. The process for making either of these things is called the gastrique, and it involves caramelizing sugar and butter. Not always butter, depending on, but if you like the, I mean, you can have it, it goes good in the sauce. Adding vinegar, and watch out, it can curl your nose hairs, then the stuff. So, there's a science and an art to a gastrique. Like those onions in the French onion soup, Getting the sugar just right before adding the vinegar matters for deeper flavor. Missing that mark doesn't make it inedible if you don't push the line, but it might be missing some of those later flavor notes. What I'm looking to see in the pan on medium heat is frequent large bubbles from the sugar. The smell will start to reveal some of what's going on in the pan. Don't touch it with your fingers and don't taste it. That's napalm in there. It sticks to everything and burns, as in makes blisters burn. Don't do that. We could use a candy thermometer, but there's so little quantity in there that's not really going to work. If you have a laser thermometer, we're looking for about 238 or somewhere in the softball stage. Once you add the vinegar, there's going to be a lot of steam, a lot of acid smell in the air. It'll go away, everyone will be fine, but you're bound to get some questions about what the heck was that. Once the sauce gets back to a thick consistency, add the rest of your ingredients and cook till they are done. Now, how do you know when they're done? When the flavor reaches what you want to have, when the onions are cooked and soft. Um, if you're doing mango chutney, the mango starts to fall apart just a little bit. Now you can taste and check for seasoning. If you want to turn that idea into barbecue sauce, add tomato paste or mustard after the vinegar and use canned tomato sauce as the base. Now, I mentioned brown sugar, and in both of these applications, I prefer brown sugar because there's a molasses component that has an alkalinity to it that I prefer in my sauces. White sugar is perfectly fine, but you're not going to get quite the same level of that molasses bitterness, which contrasts nicely with everything else going on. You can add beef stock instead of tomato sauce, any other number of liquids, for any other kind of barbecue sauces you want to invent. I've done it with applesauce. Wrong. Applesauce and apple juice. A gastric base is what makes a rich, deep flavor. The sugar helps it caramelize and stick to the food, and the liquid is the supporting flavor. Those three techniques are keys to making many kinds of similar dishes. So, once you've got batters down, hand-fried fritters are possible. If you get it right, even savory donuts. More than knowing a zillion recipes, chefs and cooks know techniques that adjust those basics to suit their needs. And that's how, with these things, now you can make the, the batter recipe for lots of other things. You can do the gastrique and the slow pushing in oil. Um, add, add fennel, thin slices of fennel to your leeks. Uh, add a variety of color of, of onions or uh, kohlrabi might work. That would be interesting. You know what else would be interesting? Wow. Wow. Do... Um, Huh. Can't believe I never thought of this. Um, a red skinned potato cut like a french fry 
because it's less starchy, it's going to hold better. And and poach that with the onions, the leeks, and the fat. Wow. <laughs> I like this idea. Add a little star anise to that. That'll be good. Huh. Now you have to join Eating Liberty and tell me how it went, because that's a, wow, what an idea. Okay. So that's the onion show. Those are the basics. And happy cooking. All right, folks, that's going to do it. I will put the link for the recipes on the show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 97. It's not going to be a fancy page. It's just going to have a few things that you can um, print the recipes and then make your own notes and adjustments. So your recipes, uh, so my recipes become yours and you make your own unique dishes because that's what we're supposed to do. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Leave a rating and a review because I want to grow the audience. And have a great rest of the week. And I'll see you soon. Music for the Culinary Libertarian Podcast is provided by Matthew Bankert at mattbankert.com.